Welcome to the Board Shorts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cook, and I'm here with another easy to digest dose of valuable board and company director related information designed to help you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom. My guest today is Brad Waldron. Brad is known for his room filling energy, infectious humour, and battle-proven insights with immediate real-world applications. He has a proven record of helping others to succeed through harnessing a rare combination of insight, humour and practical strategies to increase performance whilst enabling you to gain more fulfilment from your professional roles. He's a speaker, CEO, executive chairman, strategist, coach, champion, author, and winner across sport and business. I actually came across Brad when I searched LinkedIn using the phrase corporate athlete. As you now know, Brad really does embody the mental image of a corporate athlete. I invited Brad onto the podcast because I know that many of you are playing multiple roles as well full-time professional, parent, partner, family member, friend, and board member, amongst a whole range of other things as well. I want to support you to be successful across all of these roles and to ensure that you maintain the high energy, high output that you are probably known for without the burnout so that you have a long-term sustainable board career. I'm sure that this conversation with Brad will inspire and motivate you to be intentional about the roles that you choose to play and that you play them from a 10. Brad, thank you so much for being on the Board Shorts podcast. It is great to have you here today. It's my pleasure. Absolute my delight. Thank you for inviting You're most welcome. Now, I want to get in deep from the beginning. And part of the purpose and the mission behind Get On Board Australia and the work I do here is to help people to thrive in the boardroom. Now, I know you have a concept called thriving leadership. What characterises thriving leaders? It's a real simple one. From a fundamental perspective, like here's, I honestly believe that leadership is actually wrapped up in energy. I really, really do. Like there's good cerebral energy, there's good physical energy, there's good emotional energy. And when those three constituents come together, you've got something that makes people just thrive. It's a little bit of tingle in the air for, you know, all of us, when we're running our businesses and our board arrives, there's almost something cathartic in having them enter the room. Mm-hmm. And that's that for me at a, at a very basic emotional level is what I would call thriving leadership. You know, some, some people can walk into the room and they can light it up. Right. Yeah. And some yeah. people only light up the room when they leave. My, my question for a lot of <laughs> folks is what does your energy do when it comes into the room? And, and when thriving leadership is in play, You've got that, that, that magic in the air because when you look at organizations, they're either thriving, surviving, and, or nosediving, right? Jim Collins said in his book, when, oh, how the mighty fall, going into a crisis, there's three types of organizations, right? There's those that are prepared, shipshape, and, and ready to weather the storm. There's those that sort of go, oh, we were almost ready. And so their focus is on survival, and the third type is didn't even know there was a storm on the horizon. And, and just like Collins had those three categories, we found that when organizations were going through massive change or transformation, it could be a, in, in one instance, it was a huge merger between a German bank and a US bank, and we were managing the people integration element of it. And we found that there was one of three types of people that would, would come into the workspace they're either thriving, surviving, nosediving. Thriving, go. It's the greatest opportunity that I could ever see. The mm. surviving folks would go, do you know what, Lise? I'm going to keep my head down and see what happens. 
And then there was the third type that said, this, this integration, it's really hostile takeover. It's the worst thing that could ever happen. And, and so they were the nosediving folks and they almost self-select. And so you've got the classic bell curve. Mm. But for, for, for us, for me, at a real primitive level, thriving leadership is about energy and how we as leaders manage that. Because, you know, you, listen, the Olympics, the hurdle heats. Yeah. Just mention that. There's five fault starts, right? So that doesn't happen because they're all on top of their game. It happens because they're slightly jittery, trying to anticipate the, the starter pistol. But what also happens is they're in the, oh, no, oh, no. And with more oh, no's, it creates false starts in life. Mm-hmm. So then how do, you, how do you attain and retain that being that thriving leader? Well, I, I, I think it's a muscle. Mm-hmm. I think it's a muscle that the more you use it, the more you, you work it. You know, when you're a new board member and you've never been a board member before, you're almost a little bit, oh, you know, and trying to work out. What's my role? What's my place? Am I valuable? Am I worthy of this? But once you've done it for a while, you have your rhythm, you have your groove, you you know what to go after. So the more you're in that space, the the more comfortable it becomes. And thriving also is is a muscle. And, and, And as I break that down, I just look at the three ingredients that you turn up with. Number one is your actual energy, your vibrancy as you come in, when you connect with your other board members, when you connect with the owner, the CEO, the managing director, the management team. The second element is, is the relationship aspects because like my relationship with you is based on one thing and it's a currency we call trust. If trust is high between you and me, you tell me what's on your mind. Yeah. If trust is low between you and me you manage what you tell me yep so trust is the currency and Mm -hmm. and the third element is is wisdom or 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 your intellectual property one one report i was reading by a guy called dr adrian furnham who basically just he, he does recruitment for colonels and generals in the army in the uk and he just does board appointments uh and and manage and sorry and measures as the psychological strength of the person he made a very powerful distinction and he and he said what we what we've uncovered in our research is that probably about 20 percent of plc board members are not smart enough to be a board member Mm. so they don't have the thinking skills to be able to adequately fulfill their role so they might have the cv skills but they don't have the thinking skills and and that was that's quite illuminating so those three aspects is of my energy of the quality of my relationships and the mental prowess that I bring into the into the room are the three elements that really determine whether you thrive or not. And let's let's be really honest. You and I, we could really like each other, have high trust. But you know what? If if my energy is is low and flat, it ain't good. Yeah. As a board member, equally the opposite is true. You could take any of the components out there, like levers. But when mm. when when we have that, uh, like I could be a totally energized, focused on point, but I could be a motivated idiot as well. You, need, <laughs> you know, you need three of them. Yeah. Run into. I think we all know at least one of those motivated idiots. <laughs> are you referring to? Are you? Is that a present company excluded, Brad? <laughs> but I'm I'm wondering is is being a thriving leader something that you identify yourself as or does it take someone else to tell you that you're like that because I'm I'm just aware that we kind of have these different perceptions of how we are in a leadership capacity or even just around other people that may not necessarily be accurate (laughs) so how do you how do you know if you're a thriving leader oh that's a great question and you know, I'm tempted to say, tell me about a time when you were at your best as a leader. And I would want to know what you think, mm. because you would give me some insight. And, and so there is, you know, with all things like this, there is your own perception. What does your inner knower tell you? 
But there's an, the other perception is what are what are the people around you? What are your stakeholders around you? And I think that's I think that's largely a board's responsibility with each other, not just the owner of the business, which is to hold each other accountable to how they show up. Are you providing value? And I'm I'm a big fan of a board being able to sit around together and go, hey, listen, let's just press pause for a moment. I want to. I want to talk a little bit about our mutual contributions because mm. in the way I see a board member is, you know, I see ourselves as elders to a company and, and elders have a very uh, strong role at, at being direction setting, not just soothsayers and, and people that can just hold the, the director's hands. So as an elder, I'd, I need to know that I'm I'm doing what I do and and it's working well, just like a good sports coach in a professional sports team. You know, when the team is not performing well in the championships, it's often the the senior management that go before the players. Yeah. And 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 for us, you, you know, we've got to hold ourselves accountable. And I, I actively seek feedback. I actively seek. How am I, what's my contributions to the business like? Am I, am I delivering value? Am I of worth? Am I relevant right now? Yeah. You know, one of my clients is just IPO'd on Wall Street. And what's very interesting in talking to the, the, the chief exec, again, this, the, the, the management team that got you to here may not be the management team that will take you to there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there might be subbing out some players on en route and it's not because of lack of love but it's just a different it's a different player that gets you to the, your next level and same with us as as board members we've got to am i the right board member right now or am i writing this 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 ticket that i'm i feel a little bit of an imposter and right now because i'm not adding value but i'm keeping my ticket because of my equity stake or whatever the, the reason that you have current board status mm. ego usually but Good point. <laughs> All of this, Brad, talks to me about the need to have a high level of self-awareness. Mm. Yeah. Well, what do you what do you see happen when it goes wrong? When when the person has they're blind to the self-awareness aspect. Yeah, it's it's nearly like a brick wall because you can tell them to their face appropriately, of course, at the right time. <laughs> all of these things and they will refuse to believe it. Yeah. 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 You, you go, Lisa, at the moment, you're like a bar of chocolate in the sun. And, 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 and instead of them going, what well, I melt and I don't provide value, they're going, what well, I'm tasty and sweet. You know, and <laughs> that's the issue. That's right. Uh, that's a very positive perspective that they have of themselves, but it's just the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like board members, we fall into the fallacy of uh, thinking we're, we're, we're right. Yeah. yeah, we're here. We've arrived. This yeah. is the, this is my floor. I'm getting off, and this is this is where I'm hanging. Mm. Yes, yeah, is my seat, and I am not moving. <laughs> Um, but I do want to come back to something that you mentioned. One of your three uh, elements with mm -hmm. thriving leadership has to do with energy. And this is an important one for listeners of the Board Shorts podcast. Most of them are people who hold a lot of roles. They have a lot of jobs. Most people are full-time employed in a career Mm -hmm. serve on boards uh, after business hours. On top of that, their parents, their partners, their friends, their carers, their everything else. How or, or what are some principles or approaches that people can take to maintain that energy at that level to be a thriving leader? Mm. Listen, Stephen Covey had it had it nailed in the seven habits when he said listen habit seven is the holiest of holy habits which is you've got to sharpen the soul you've got to take care of yourself 
he, he recalled a story where his daughter said to him, Dad, I just, I feel as though I'm not, I'm just not being the leader I want in my business. You know, it's, I'm just not cutting it. And he said, honey, you're a new mom. Right now, that's the role you need to be. And so firstly, being clean in your roles and saying, this is where I need to be is the first truth. And, and secondly, for me, I, I do, you, you, you said it rather nicely, I keep things in roles and I run what I call my weekly compass, which is, which is basically a, a methodology that I use from the seven habits out of habit three, which allows me to break down my life into, into roles. And inside each role, I'm setting goals for the role. And that allows me to stay on top and even to the point where um, my role compass is multicolored so that if I have a role called CEO and then I have another role called dad, I have another role called uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner mm-hmm. with these roles and I set my goals for each role, as I put the, the activities into my calendar, into my schedule, they're colorful. They're colored based on the role. So when you look at my weekly diary, you can see it's like a beautiful potpourri color. And that's not because I like visual things. It's because just in an instant, I can tell that I'm balanced across my roles. Mm-hmm. But if, if you look at my calendar and it's all blue and blue indicates my role as being, I don't know, chief exec, managing director or, or pick something else, I'm going, geez, I'm a bit over-indexed in this space. So I'm, I'm going to be, that means I'm neglecting other things that are important. And the other thing it's telling me is the following week, the next week, I'm going to be in quadrant one doing things that are urgent important because I've neglected others or I've neglected my health or I've neglected my family. And we've all, we've all either got the badge of bad relationships or failed marriages because that's the route we go, we went down and we said, it's the price you pay for fame, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you sit around a room full of wonderful managing directors, business owners and CEOs, we're a room full of war stories, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. You know, mortgages, house losses, you know, um, share dilution, uh, skullduggery on the board. You know, night of the not long knives, failed marriages. I had one. I had one workshop where I was working with with some directors, some owners, and some businesses, and I, I I just did this little exercise where I asked them write down the four things that matter most to you about life, and they wrote one down per sheet. And I said, right, let's prioritize them. Take the thing that matters least of the four. They're all important. Just bring it out from the other three. And then they did, and I said, screw it up. I want you to throw it away. And they looked perplexed and they went, I don't know if I could throw this away. And I said, just throw it. And someone threw theirs and then, then everyone else. And we did it with every single value. And they and I just said, how are you feeling? And this one guy is sobbing. And uh, it's not something that normally happens on one of my workshops, I have to admit. But I just went, uh, your tears. Do you mind if I ask what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And he said, I got two. T- I got two kids. One's nineteen. One's twenty-three. They've both left home. And I said, "Oh, okay." And I said, "Tell me more about that." And he says, "Well, they've both lived at home until they left. But you know what? I never saw them grow up, and I just feel as though I've thrown them away. But it's not throwing them away now. It's the fact of I threw their childhood away because I was always at work." Wow. And you could have heard a pin drop. And, and you know, we talked about, well, at what point do you want to draw a line in the sand and start to prioritise them as something that you're not going to get to the end of your life and you have the, the conversation of regret on the deathbed. And I've had a few of those with my family members. And the conversation of regret in the deathbed is never the time to have it, right? No, no that's right now is the time to repair that stuff and you know we know as business leaders we we do have to make some decisions some trade-offs but where possible I have found that my my weekly compass the way that I run my 
I was just looking for my compass now. It's just on here on my little pile of paper that I that I use every week. It just keeps me orientated across my roles so that at the end of the week, I go, number one, have I had a fulfilling week? Number two, am I delivering value? Number three, am I being a good, whatever it is, CEO, dad, husband, mother, wife, friend? And is there enough time for you? There's got to be enough time for you. Mm. So what inspired you to start that system? Well, back in the 90s, uh, I had a role as a regional managing director for the Covey Leadership Centre, this, you know, Stephen Covey's business. And as I went through as... I, I just love the timeless methodology that he mm. employed in the seven habits. And cause I was, I'd just come out of working for a guy called Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins. And I was working for Tony in New York and I worked for Tony here in the UK. And it was through that relationship. I, I met Stephen Covey and I just went, wow, this is something that is quite uh, timeless. And it just illuminated me. Mm. So I got involved with the organization went through the training and as as a senior leader in the business I got the opportunity to experience some really deep clean thinking mm. and I just found the, the the habit three and the the methodology behind it just allowed us to be able to live a more purposeful life and what I call live deliberately so that mm. the end of my you know like I don't know 2021 we just hit August and it was like only yesterday we went into lockdown 18 months ago, right? Yeah. And so it's moving at a great speed. But what I want to be able to do at the end of every month, every year, go, wow, it moved fast. But, geez, it was fulfilling. Mm. And having my big rocks aligned to my roles, my big rocks being the things that matter most, mm -hmm. uh, aligned to the roles that I have. Because most people talk about their rocks. I know there's some methodologies that talk about planning your rocks or Stephen Covey's schedule the big rocks. People miss, I think, the most critical part, which is, first of all, get clear on your roles. Yeah. What are the definite roles? So if I look at myself, I make sure that I'm clean across the things that are most important to me, being a family member, my hobbies, that, you know, it's easy to neglect hobbies yeah. <laughs> when you're running a business, right? Yeah. That, that photography that you love, no. Nah. Put your camera away that uh that sport that you love no nah. put your put your swimming shorts away and i think what a great shame because you don't want to yeah stephen said quite quite well that you don't want to get to the top of your ladder of success only to find that your ladder has been leaning on the wrong wall for the last 10 years oh yeah yeah also that you're you've completely lost yourself out of that yeah. So one of the roles is you. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So what? Why do Brad? Why do people not? I mean, I, I feel like this is something we all know that we should be doing or could do to live a more fulfilling and um, purposeful existence. Why do people not? do things like this and take the time to really be intentional about how their weeks pan out and what do you recommend to people to kind of get beyond those roadblocks yeah listen we're all smart capable people anyone listening right around right now has got to be smart and capable because they're tied into the board space Mm -hmm. so it, then for me it becomes an easier diagnosis it's either motivation discipline or a system mm. you know you might have the motivation to start you but discipline will get you going and keep you going yeah it's like it's like gym membership right Lisa have you, you ever been a member of a gym yeah have been for a long time right so you know this you know that when people start you go oh that must be a new person how do you know they're new because one, I've not seen them before, but they've been here four nights in a row this week. And <laughs> you go, oh, uh, yeah, that'll be a new person, right? Yeah. And then by week. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Because I think gyms are the world's biggest charity. The, 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 really, they're the place that people pay money for and they feel okay about not attending. So it just becomes a charity donation every month. But it's done out of their own conscience because this week I'll get there. It's always tomorrow, Brad. Yeah, you know it. You know it. So there's motivation to start it. There's 
discipline to keep you going. And then there's to have a system to work for you. Some people go, I'm too busy. And I go, listen, you'd never bake a cake if you were too busy, right? Because you've got you've to do the work up front to get what comes out of the oven. Yeah. And, and when you've got a system that can work for you, then it's got to be good. Because the thing about the seven habits, the reason why, if I talk cubby stuff for a moment, the reason why they're habits and not behaviors, not skills, not qualities, is because when you've got a habit, it's free. It's just what who you are, it's what you naturally do. And that's what I love about that methodology more so than all the others, because it's it's something in you that's what you want to develop. So when you brush your teeth in the morning or after a meal, it's something you don't have to go, oh look, my reminders come up on my calendar. I better go brush my teeth. It's just getting ready for bed and it's something that you habitually do and in fact if you don't do it you hop into bed and you go oh, I don't feel right and then you mm. brush your teeth and you feel good and that's that's the power of a habit mm. so creating the habit I think is the magic and and that's why I like little systems like little tools like I'm pretty manana with most things in life but I do have habits that make me look manana but behind the scenes there's almost a production schedule. Yeah. Now that I'm not doing that in a in a way that sounds as though it's going to be over over scripting life in the slightest because I'm not. But the habit gives me the freedom to be the manana guy, yeah. and so I, I do use the weekly compass. And it's look if it's useful, I'll, I've got a great user guide to get yourself into a user into a weekly compass with the form that runs with it and the instructions. And, and it takes about four weeks to create a habit, four to six weeks to get into the habit of it. And then you're away at the races and you'll never look back. Yeah, that would be awesome I'll happily, if we can share that. Yeah, I'll give you a copy of it. And it has an instructional, but I tell you, it's it just changed. And I tell you one area how it changed because I was running through my roles for quite some time and just getting things done, being what I thought was really effective, but I'd want it. I wanted to write this book for quite some time on presenting and it was something I really wanted to pen. And I was, and I just thought, man, and I was talking to my coach and John said to me, so anything disappointing you in your own performance right now, the way a coach would ask you, right? And, and my, my coach was this guy that just like an elder statesman. Mm. And he said, right, <clears throat> dear boy, is there anything that's disappointing you? And he looked down his nose at me like that. And it just made me feel the schoolmaster was asking, you know. And um, I said, you know, John, I just don't feel as though that I, I've wanted to write this book for ages. And he just went to me. It's funny. When I look at your role compass, I don't see the role called author anywhere. And I, it just like someone hit me with a bolt of lightning. I just went, you're right. You're right. I haven't created the role that says author and then when I created my role called author put it into my compass I had the book written in six weeks six wow weeks. wow it just shows you the power of, of focus the power of priority and this compass it's it's truly transformational yeah I love that um and I find that there's two kinds of people one that just believe that you can't schedule things and life is spontaneous and they love the spontaneity and that agendas and and tools like this and systems are restricting and there's the other type that think that these kind of tools and systems are freeing <laughs> that actually give you freedom I am in the second group definitely <laughs> the same <laughs> as you yeah, like any of those folks that, like, if you live your life with manana as your mantra, good, good. May you be blessed. But I don't know an Olympic athlete that got to the Olympics through that. No, probably not. Probably not. Um, I want to ask you about natural leadership gifts. Do you think yeah. that people are born leaders or they're made leaders? Oh, look, I'm pretty simple on that. I think they're both. I think if you're born, good for you. There's good DNA, you know, good DNA in you. Fabulous. Don't let those gifts go unused. You've been blessed with them. Mm -hmm. And then there's those that they weren't blessed with the gifts, but by heck, they work hard. They've worked hard 
to earn their tiger stripes. And, and I know both. I know both sets of leaders. And, and, and I've got to tell you, the ones that inspire me the most are the ones that don't have the gifts, wow. who, who have worked hard for it. And the, the hard slog, you know, if you use a small sports analogy, they're first to the gym, they're last to leave. You know, that they, they pay their price, they pay their dues, and they've earned everything that they, that they deserve. So I, I believe it's both, right? And even mm. if you do have the gift, if you're a great singer, for instance, you still got to do your vocalizing warm-ups. Not as long as someone that's not a great singer <laughs> or, you know, but like I think you, you and need... I. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No one wants to hear a voice of Delilah. Yeah, no, I think we'll save that for the next episode. <laughs> but you did talk about leadership gifts and you um, have written about three natural leadership gifts that can build or destroy a leader's credibility and effectiveness. What are those? Uh, interestingly, I, I alluded to them earlier on, which is the, the natural gifts of, of your energy, mm-hmm. which is how you show up. You know, what card are you playing today? If you took out a deck of cards and you had to pull a card out, what card are you playing today? Mm. You know, three or four low card, low energy, seven, eight, middle of the road, maybe, 10, queen, jack, king, high energy. Now, not motivated full, but just a really great energy. That's that's a gift, right? Mm-hmm. It's a gift. Free. It's free to you to use. You don't have to charge your USB into your head to get energy. It's just how you turn up. Of course, sleep, diet, focus, vision, they're all contributing factors, but we all start with units of energy every single morning. Yeah. That's that's a proactive choice. So how you show up is number one. The other gift is the gift of relationships, is the gift of you and me being able to like each other, trust each other, work with each other, achieve more together. It's those gift of relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole thing about the three gifts came, came to me through a guy called Colin Hall, who was the chairman of Wultru, a magnificent South African leader. Wultru was a 63,000 people organization. And, and Colin was a bit of a, a mentor to me and a true inspiration. And we used to do these leadership workshops down in South Africa where we take the exec teams into uh, into different parts of Southern Africa and we'd have a leadership safari. So in the morning, we're doing game drives with the big animals and small animals. And then the evening, we do the game tra- drives. But between the day, we would, we would work through leadership and leadership development. And it was the most magnificent thing. And I remember a, a, a ranger talking to me and he said, do you know what? How do you feel right now in this, this Jeep? And I go, it feels fantastic. Look at the monkeys. They're just jumping around. Oh, the, they were gibbons, actually, and they were going crazy. And I go, wow, it's like a soap drop. It's like a, a, you know, a schoolyard up there. And he goes, yeah. So your relationship with them is what? And I just went, I don't know. I'm just a passive observer. And I go, yeah, it is at the moment. But it could be something else. And I said, why? And he goes, the noise they're making, this is the third gift, is information. There's always information around you. And you've got to have the ability to notice it, calibrate it, and and turn it into insight. What does it mean? Because because Ian said, the information they're giving you is that there's a leopard in the area, (laughs) but you don't know that. And I said, well, why would I? I don't talk monkey, <laughs> right? Or I don't talk gibbon. And he goes, I know, but this is the thing, Brad. It's like market conditions. Are you listening to the market conditions? Because the, the gibbons are telling you everything you need to know, but can you understand it? Mm. And for leaders, are we, are we smart enough to manage information, filter information? So those three gifts of energy relationships and information are the three things that are available to all of us, but we all use it differently, right? We all do it differently. It's like when the pandemic started, how did you respond to the information? Did you sit on your hands? Did you go, where's the opportunity? Did, you know, how many people went out and bought bloody Zoom kits and stuff like that versus those saying, no, I don't need that stuff. It'll only be for a couple of weeks. We'll be back in the office. It's all information, but it's how you interpret it translate it into significant meaning and then act on it so those three gifts 
are available to all of us. There's no, you know, we, we, we know folks that have got educations that you think, seriously, you left school at what age? Mm. Seriously, with what grades? And look at you, you're running the most fabulous, profitable business. You're contributing to society in a magnificent way. You've got a family that loves you. You had all the odds stacked against you, yeah. yet you're the pillar of this community. Mm-hmm. There's no science in that, but they manage their energy, their relationships, their information. They had a vision and they went out there and manifested fantastic things. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, but I do want to come back to your reference. You did talk about um, picking a card out of a deck of cards. And this is your your concept of playing from a 10. Yes, it is. What is it? Why does it matter? How do you do it? Oh, look, it's, it's a fundamental choice. I, I, I honestly think that everything's, yeah, I've spoken energy. I, I might sound like a bit of an energy fruit loop here, but but ultimately, as I said, some people, they light room up. Some people, you know, if, oh, listen, I just need to gather myself before I go into this board meeting. We've all heard, heard people say that. And that's how you show up is the first thing I'm going to judge you by, right? Yeah. It's the smile. It's the handshake. It's the interaction. What do you feel like when you walk into a restaurant and you, and you get ignored? That's mm-hmm. energy. It's the way people transfer it. But the thing is, the way someone connects with you determines often how they respond to you right Mm. but the freedom I've got is how I turn up with you Mm -hmm. because imagine this imagine I was a you've had horrible day you've had a flat tire someone used your cat as a speed hump the family is sad world's not good around you but you're meeting me as a potential new investor a potential new client Mm. If I gave you a deck of cards, choose the card you think you would come into the meeting with me for that half an hour with. What card would you choose? Yeah, the highest one. Highest one. One that didn't make you go, I'm here, how are you? But the one that just oscillates, right? Positivity, vibrancy, connection, whatever it is. Yeah. Exactly. You choose that card deliberately. But my thing to us leaders is simply this. What card do you choose when it's not a significant event. So you've had a long day, you've been the, the greatest and the bestest that you could be for your teams, for your clients, for whoever, the whoever. And then you're walking through the front door. You leave your key, you knock. What card do you play when you walk through that front door? Now, I've worked, the workshops I run with chief execs, I tell you, I ask them, what card do you walk through the door with? Do you know what the national averages are? The national average card that people play, it's a four. Whoa. And I I kid you not, I kid you not, I just go, what card do you play? And they go, I go, show me your hands, all right? So if you want to say you play something high with a picture card, give me that and whatever. But otherwise, keep it to two hands. We'll say 10 is great. One is... Como, comatose and do you know what the average i get so everyone's i get it's like let's quick draw each other three two one go and that's what i get and i go look around the room keep your fingers up look around the room so what you're saying to me is the people that you love the most are the people that get your lowest cards and then i hear the the, the little sort of whining and it's the whining of great variety it's the whining yeah but brad it's a long day brad it's <laughs> Or whatever the case. Yeah, I'm tired. The traffic was bad. And I and you want to go, oh dittums, I'm sorry. (laughs) But that kid that's sitting there and going, Daddy's home, for them, for them, it's the most important part of their day. For that husband, that wife, that lover, that respected other, for them, it's that one connection they can they can rely and trust. So the card that you play is is really fundamentally your choice. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying be be false about the cards you play because if I'm feeling upset, tired, exhausted, I, I will be that because I'm not going to suppress the truth. Yeah. But I just know for that first 15 minutes when I come home, I can play the better card. And, you know, I was there was a conference I did for a oh, fabulous organisation, if you don't mind me saying it, is that it was this um, the FD Centre and they just put 
board levels FDs into into businesses, just for not interim but for periods of time. And I had a room full of 250 FDs, CFOs. Could you imagine what that looks like, right? And uh, I did this exercise where, my gosh, my gosh. And I put uh, random playing cards underneath all chairs and I got them to pull out their card and talk to the person next to them about what they love about being a CFO, but they could only do it with the energy of the card, but you had to be positive, right? So yeah, I really love my job. I love the fact that I'm helping people save money, grow their businesses and realize their financial dreams. And they're doing it what, like with the three, they're saying the right words, but people mm-hmm. are not feeling the energy. Yeah. And I go, would you, cause that's what you do, but would I buy you? No, I wouldn't buy myself if I portrayed it like that. And I go, well, why not? Because the energy doesn't encourage me. Exactly. And then people have the kings or queens or whatever the case, and they pay. And I get to help people live their best lives by helping them save money, make money, you know, and all that type of great stuff. And you go, so what's the difference between the person playing the jack and the person playing the three? And they just go, energy, because the words are the same. I said, who would you employ? Person playing the jack. So exactly, the decision's emotional. And then a year later, I run into the managing director of the CFO Center, and uh, Andy is his name. And he goes, I want to show you something. And he gets out his wallet, opens his wallet. His wallet's empty, right? Naturally for CFO, of course it's going to be Mm -hmm. empty. But there was a card in there and it was an ace. And I said, what's that? And he said, I stole it from you at the last conference. And I said, you rat bag, are you returning it? And he said, no, 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 it's mine now. And I said, oh, I, right, I feel, as I, I feel the need to cross-charge you for that. And, uh, and we joked. And I said, but why is it in your wallet? And he said this. It was very powerful. He said, Brad, this card reminds me I'm a leader first, a CFO second. I go, what do you mean? He goes, a CFO is what I do, but who I am is a leader. Mm-hmm. And this card reminds me that I've got to lead and then do the CFO stuff. It tells me that I'm a husband first mm. so it reminds me that when i walk through that door i gotta play the ace play the ace or play the 10 and i it's just such a simple philosophy but by gosh you know you've had a hard day what card you got to walk through that door i've got to push through my hard day i gotta leave it in the car and play that high card for the people that love me the most right and it's a bit not 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 too similar to to being an actor i got a friend who's in, in a musical called Les Miserables and and Jeff plays the role of Javert and I just go Jeff how do you do how many times have you sung this role and he goes like a thousand times not including rehearsals and I go how do you stay so fresh man and he goes oh that's so easy and I said tell me how and I'm, I'm expecting some great secret and yeah. he goes Bro, when when I look at <laughs> I look out apologies for that for music I know, right? I was, <laughs> I could have broken into song and we could have done a scene out of Les Miserables. <laughs> um, and he said, but when I look at, when I come out on stage and I can just see some people in the first three lines, for me, it might be my thousandth performance, but for that little old lady that's staring up at me with open eyes, it's her first. And so it reminds me to make sure that I treat it like my first performance every night. Yeah. That keeps me fresh. So it's, it's, it's having that trigger that develops the habit. Absolutely. And I think I've heard Hugh Jackman share a very similar story. So if they've played together on Les Mis, we know that Hugh Jackman's been Jean Valjean, I think, in Les Mis. Uh, yes, that's, that's correct. And Jeff has played with Hugh. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. How awesome would that be? So, again, this this thing that keeps sort of coming back to me is this underlying foundation is this awareness and knowing yourself and really being conscious about what's being portrayed about you on the outside. What, what energy are you carrying with you? How are you intentional about that? Just all this stuff requires a lot of self-awareness and how can people understand themselves better as a leader? Gosh, I can't think of anything more simpler than just go ask people, 
right? I, I, I would go, Lisa, do me a favor. This might sound a little bit narcissistic, but it's not intended to be. Could you give me, could you describe to me what I do well as a leader? Mm. Could you? And then seek that and then go, could you describe to me what I could do differently as a leader? Now, I, I'm very purposeful on the choice of words here. Some friends in Canada taught me this around feedback. Not what I could do better. It's what could I do differently? Like you can go for better if that works for you. But what I like about asking differently, it does a couple of things. Gives people to give, it gives people permission to tell you the warts and all stuff without it being, geez, if he asks me, what do I, what could I do better? He, he might, this might come back and bite me in the backside, right? Mm -hmm. Because right now he's in the mood for feedback, but yeah. maybe tomorrow he might be a little bit punishing and it might, he mightn't intend it to be, but it might happen. So do differently, gives them permission. But the other thing that do differently does, it's about adding choice to our leadership and to your comments of feedback. Because Brad, while this may not be do better, it may be do wider. You know, here's some other options that you perhaps hadn't th thought about. So mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of collecting feedback or delivering feedback. You know, uh, if you and I are in a meeting to, and we've just finished the meeting, I'm like, uh, Lisa, listen, that was a good use of our hour. I've enjoyed it. Hey, tell me from your point of view, what worked well in this meeting? Mm. Okay, Brad, I like the fact that we kept to the meeting points and we delivered on the outcomes. I like the fact that uh, you stopped and listened when I had an opinion and that you listened when I had an opinion that was contrary to yours. That gives me, uh, keeps me confidence. I go, thanks. That's, that's, that's really great. And I might say, here's what I liked about the meeting. So it's a little bit of two-way feedback, right? But I go, Lisa, for our next meeting, what would you do differently next time? Or what would you like me to do differently next time? And you might go, Brad, uh, I'd love us, I'd love to have more in input into the agenda. Because there's some things that I, I'd like to discuss, but I don't feel as though I really get the airtime for, for my agenda. And mm -hmm. I go, good point. I, I, I've been writing these agendas for years. I've never thought about it like that. So I thought, oh, okay, great, point taken. Or, or Brad, you know, um, next time, what I'd like from you is I'd love it if you could turn your mobile devices off because it really <coughs> peeves me when I see your eyes get diverted to another screen. Oh, Okay, sure, I can do that. And these are the little gifts that you get because I dare say if I do it with you and you're one of my teammates, there's a chance I might be doing it with a client. And here's the difference. The teammate will tell me. Yeah. <laughs> the, client, the client will just judge me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. without telling me, you know, and that's when they vote with their feet. You yeah. Know? And so that, that, that to me is often the simplest way of raising your own self-awareness, just be be hungry for for feedback for counsel for opinions based on experience lived experience you know your coach if you want someone that coaches you they're often not the best person because they don't see you as an operator you know yeah, yeah. their wise counsel gone please exactly well two things came to my mind one was um Sometimes it's hard for people to accept feedback and not feel that it's criticism and they take it personally as an offence. So the thing that came into my mind was like be coachable, which yeah. means be open and and okay with feedback, particularly feedback you ask for. Even when people ask, they still can get offended <laughs> if you're honest. <laughs> Oh, when you said feedback, you actually meant compliments. compliments I, yeah. Believe me, I've misunderstood. <laughs> the second bit that came into my mind as well is that this, that type of feedback on your um, actions or behaviour or whatever it is that you're asking feedback on is not just limited pe to people who are in a specific leadership role. Mm -hmm. This is something that everyone can do to build up their leadership capabilities. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And what were you going to say when I really rudely cut you I off? I have no idea. 
I have no idea. It was a random stream of consciousness. <laughs> Those are good. Um, so to wrap things up, Brad, in the spaces that you play in, um, which I'm going to throw in a big bucket, which is how I found you under the phrase of corporate athlete. <laughs> what is one thing that the listeners can take away and implement that you think will have great value in their day-to-day -day life? Oh my gosh, there are so many good things I'd love to share. Um, you know, we've, we've spoken about a lot this morning, but just in a conversation format, but I, I'm a huge fan of listening to the river and, and the river tells you what's coming downstream and you just got to be open to it and, and, and work with it once you hear it. And I think that's a real big thing right now for a lot of us, because we're in a, we're in a place where we don't have playbooks. We're in a place where Australia is going through a lockdown of, of strange proportions from what I can tell, you know, you've got a dozen or so cases coming up and in a, in a country, Whereas where I'm right now, a dozen cases is probably the norm for most, most schools per day. When we, where I live, we're getting 40, 40 50,000 cases a day, but we're still operating, right? And now I don't know who's right. I don't think there isn't right or wrong. I think there's just choice and that's what people are exercising. But if we can listen to the river, we can anticipate what's coming and, and be prepared for it. And as business owners, we've got to do that. As board members, we've got to be able to do that. So there's that element. And, and, and many opinions make help me make great decisions. Mm -hmm. But the thing, if I just refer to the where a lot of our focus has been today, and that has been around energy for some strange reason, uh, not strange, but it's. I haven't had the opportunity to talk about energy in such clarity for a while in, in this instance because there's a lot of other things we can generally talk about. But I ask you this, is, is where in life do you need to play a better card right now? Mm. You know, is it as a, as a board member, do you need to play a better card? Is it with your kids when you kick the footy around? Is it, is it with the person who serves you breakfast if you every morning get brekkie in the same place? Where do you need to play a better card? With whom? And then secondly with that, is there a place where you get triggered into a, a dick card, right? A card that's just this person has this little gift at looking you in that certain way that sends you to the bottom of the deck and you go, damn. What, you know, I'm looking at you as if you're only alive because it's against the law to kill you right now. How, is, how do you have that emotional control over me, right? And, and, and go, I need to choose a better card here because I need, I need to be better. Yeah. Is there that yeah. one employee, right, that you work with that then when they go, Lisa, someone's left the milk out on the side and you go, put it in the fridge, you freak. Right, but they just have a they have a way of going wah 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 wah. It's like zebra around a waterhole wah 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 wah. And <laughs> I just got to go. Hey, I got to play a better card on that. Mm -hmm. I play a better card, and I like the simplicity of that because people start people notice it. People notice that you're you, you know, there's a skip in your step. You're a bit brighter in face, and when you've got a better card, you tend to listen better. When you've got a better card, you you tend to be present more. And I'm not being, you know, I'm not saying falsify it. I'm just saying exercise it. So if you're, if you go, to be quite honest, if I go to you, Lisa, what card do you think I play most of all? We live together, imagine. And, and you go, Brad, to be quite honest, you're a good middle of the pack seven. <laughs> I go, that's not a card I want to be famous yeah. for. Yeah. And I go, tell me, what do I need to do differently? And, and what we do is we rescue the person. But honey, you're under a lot of stress right now. But honey, and we give each other the story to validate the card. Yeah. But there's, there's no world champion that has their story of being mediocre validated. Mm. Right? And that's where the athlete comes in. The athlete 
athlete doesn't wait to feel motivated to train. They train to get motivated, right? That's the difference. That's why I, I look for us as board members to be athletes because I don't wait for the weather to be good to put on the spikes. I don't wait for the weather, the, the temperature to be good so that I'm at my optimal performance when it comes to muscle flexibility. That's the power of being an athlete. No matter the weather, you put the spikes on. Look, it's so true. And there's just so many instances in my day-to-day life where I, I don't feel motivated to do the thing and I constantly tell myself the motivation's not going to come before the work. <laughs> you got to work and then you'll feel motivated. And it always happens that way. Yeah, darn it. Darn it. Yeah, so good. Oh, I've just really enjoyed this conversation today, Brad. Thank you so much. How can people get in touch with you, which they absolutely should do because you're just such great energy? Oh, that's really kind of you to say. Um, listen, easy. Just hit us up on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm, I'm, do you know what? I reply to every every message I get on LinkedIn, and it's it's a genuine reply, uh, except for the spammy ones that says we've got a search engine optimization that could help you more, <laughs> based in Bangladesh. I generally don't reply to those, but but generally, when when someone reaches out, I always uh, I always have a conversation. So that's easy. Any of the websites, there's a few websites we've we've got. We've got a sales training organization called Nine Nine Rainmaker. You you can get us there, or just brad-waldron.com for speaker stuff. Or our our, our our leadership work is on intelligentinspiration.com. But I you know if you I, I I'm I'm a positive believer in the power of of relationships, right? So anyone wants to, to chat or to get insight on something, I'm just a an email away. It's simple as that. Awesome. That's fantastic. And we'll put all those links in the show notes as well to the book that you talked about that you wrote in six weeks. How awesome yeah, is that? It's a sweet book. Well, you know, it's you get into this. I was waiting to get into the zone and the, I realised the zone was always one bus stop away until <laughs> I deliberately created the role, like you just say. Don't wait for the motivation. You do it and then become motivated, right? Yes. Yes. And the what was the book called? Oh, it's called Present Naked. Present Naked. How to deliver presentations with substance and sizzle. Naked. Available at all good book stops. <laughs> well, that, that's the analogy, right? It's the analogy. Because what people want is they want the best version of you, don't they? When you present, if I'm listening to you to present, here's the here's the here's the fact, here's the reality. I'm not sitting there going, oh, I really hope Lisa sucks. Right. I don't think that in the audience, in the audience, I want you to be on fire. I want you to light up the room. I want you to deliver relevance. I want you to be meaningful. I want you to give me something. So the audience wants you to do good. But most presenters worry that they might suck. So it's it's, it's really at, 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 the, at the wrong point of flexion. So when it comes to presenting, all you've got is your style, your content, and the mediums that you use, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. But when it comes to the style, I don't want to see Lisa be, I don't know, pick a presenter who you think is amazing. I want to see you be the best you. That's the naked you. So the, the, the frame I, I'll use on people all the time is be you, but be 30% larger when you present. Because when you're 30% larger, you're playing the higher cards. That gesture, which is meek and mild in conversation, becomes more impactful when you're standing on a stage. And then you own your space. You fill your skin. And that's what a naked presenter does. Cool. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Brad. It has been a pleasure. Uh, Wonderful to see you. Wonderful to see you. Thanks for everything. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Brad today. I hope that you got a lot of value from it. If you'd like to reach out to Brad, you can find links to his website and LinkedIn in the show notes. And there you'll also find Brad's weekly compass PDF to download and use. I also invite you to check out Brad's book, Present Naked, How to Deliver Presentations with Substance and Sizzle, available via all good bookstores and websites. If you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe, rate and review the Board Shorts podcast on your favourite podcast app. 
and please feel free to share that you're listening and what your takeaways are from this episode on social media using the hashtag BoardShortsPodcast. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you in the next episode. BoardShorts Podcast is powered by Get On Board Australia, the destination for aspiring and new board members, helping you to get on board and thrive in the boardroom.